An interesting story is being presented to men and women in homes and offices all over America. It can start, they say, almost unnoticeably. A handsome swain and a lovely lady. This moral decay. Now the focal point of the free world of tomorrow. There they will be allowed to rest, talk to others, and regain self-control. It's just in time. Time. Okay, so hello everybody. It's Justin time. I am Justin and with me is Kirsten. And then I have two special guests in the house this evening, which is exciting because it's COVID time. Uh, one of them is my nephew, David. That His name is David. He is uh, He's in high school right now, but is on a, a shortened, uh, or you're on summer break, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's on summer break, but he got to study from home for a while because of COVID. And then also with me, this is very exciting, is my mom. Pam. Pam. And she is here. Um, she was a teacher. She retired how long ago? Eight years. So for the last eight years, she's been kind of on her own schedule with my dad, which consists mostly of what, mom? Um, golfing and going to see, going to work in the classroom with the kids and doing a lot of projects and visiting you in Las Vegas. So which, which when you say doing classroom, that's not your classroom because you're retired. So whose classroom is that? It's your sister's classroom, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, 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 in my family, just everybody, everybody's a teacher. So that's something to know too, is that my mother and father, my mom, Pam, and my dad, Raleigh, they're both teachers and did it for... 30 years before they retired. My sister is a teacher. My brother-in-law is a teacher. My uncle is a teacher. My aunt is a teacher. And then there's various other people in the family that are teachers. So it's a very um, educational family or pedagogical. I don't know which one you'd say to be appropriate. But what's interesting right now is how we're watching everything shift for education because of COVID. And so that's what we're going to kind of talk about this episode and bump into it and kind of roll through it. Um, we're also going to spend some time comparing and contrasting the way that I kind of looked at high school with the way David does, especially in the light of having done one year and then switched over. And now this last year, sophomore year, has been cut short and sent home by COVID. So let's start with that. You want to talk about that, David? Will you talk about like your your stuff you do in school, classes you like, what freshman year was like? Yeah, so I'm a, a tri-sport athlete and I do football, wrestling, and track. So I'm pretty busy most of the time and so that little bit of time at the end of the school year without any time at school itself and they canceled sports completely really changed how I did anything because my life was really focused around school and sports. So in your first year what sports did you do? Those same three. Okay, Fo so football, wrestling and track. Right. And then the second year did you get to do any of that? Oh yeah, I got to get through two full se or a full season of both football and wrestling track we made it through two weeks and then it was over what's been the biggest difference in switching from in class to at home well our school was already very online we were a, it's a google kind of based school so what's a, lot a google based school where everything it's the chromebooks everything's on google docs we all have our own google accounts so that way everything is on the cloud Gotcha. It, there's not much paper anymore, but instead of having that interaction with other kids, it's now gone. It was a very easy transition to distance learning because they took our two weeks of spring break and moved them to the first two weeks after school shut down. So they had those two weeks to prepare to make it easier. It wasn't perfect because two weeks isn't long enough to set up an entire rest of the um, school year. So to clarify, the the... They said, hey, go home. We're starting spring break now. No, it was actually really unclear for the first few days on whether our, our spring... Because we had about two weeks after that Friday of school until spring break. So we weren't un, we weren't very sure whether or not we would be taking them as two weeks then or wait, do two weeks of school somehow, two weeks of spring break. So to ease the pressure on themselves, I, I figured they just said, let's do it now. Get it out of the way and give us time to prep. So we did that, the two weeks was over, but then it was easy transition because of the Google platform school, everything was online. And most gotcha. of our stuff is online already, it just took out the class interaction part of school, which is a big part for everyone. Do you do Zoom class now or Google, I guess it's Google it, Meet? The Google Hangout. Hangout. Okay. Those, we did those, I had them for two or three classes, but the worst part is they're big, 
big classes even on a normal um, just one class is 30 kids so ha- to have your pick your uh, the camera on and your microphone on it wasn't really a thing that we did so that the teacher was the only one being heard and that you could uh, hear from so was that a thing where when you first started doing it everybody was on camera and mic and popping in and out no. or you just right from the beginning teachers the only one talking presentation mode they, they figured out a thing where they could turn off your mic and camera when you even just log in so that there's no possibility and then because they start the meeting they have the possibility to turn in them both off gotcha gotcha so in doing that do you have teachers that handled it well and teachers that were kind of trying to figure it out as it was going and how does that affect your it, learning of course there's some teachers that didn't even do one there was teachers that did them on a good basis we I had for AP world history it was every Tuesday at 1230 we had that and it's because it's an AP class so we needed the information in order for the test that's a whole nother topic but it was we had the constant class but the with that it was all of the AP classes so it was 80 kids up to 109 kids was the biggest one at once in one class in one class what but it's not that big on campus why did it end up that big because it's all of his classes oh all so blocks of the it. day instead of doing everybody. multiple different uh google hangouts he just did one big one to get the lesson across that's interesting do you think that that's a possible way to increase the number of kids that can participate in certain classes maybe many kids didn't show up to a lot of them we had a consistent 50 the first one had about 75 then we dropped to 50 60 for the rest until the last one before the Tuesday before the AP test, which was on a Thursday, 109 kids. So you've taken an AP test during COVID? I've taken two of you've them. You've taken two during COVID. Terrible. So how? Yeah, how does that work? We had 45 minutes, all the AP tests, instead of the two, three so hours. Real, just real quick for the people at home, a- AP is an advanced placement program, and it basically takes a college-level course, gives it high school kids, then they can test into college credit. And mm-hmm. So the test is extremely important. You build to it through the whole semester, and then you take it. And... Anybody that has any difficulties testing, it's even more important that that be kind of a stable environment so that they can actually get that stuff out and onto the page. Sorry, go ahead, David. So that those AP tests, all of them over all platforms, all grades were shortened to 45 minutes instead of the two hours, four hours, whatever it was. And in, for us, at least, the AP World History book covers nine units. And at, at uh, May, March 13th, we had just taken and the nine units are different parts of world history. Correct. Each unit from, is like the European civil war, or the European wars, and then there's a block that's that's some South America and one that's China. And, it's okay. twelve fifty to present. Okay. So they break that up pretty well. And those nine units, we had just finished unit eight. We took the test that Thursday or Friday, whichever uh, day of the week you had it, and then we were going to move on to unit nine. But when the AP uh, the AP College Board came out and said. For AP World History, units one through six. So that's three units of the book gone and two units that we had already studied gone. And then we just put our main focus onto those six units. Okay. So the AP test, which turned into, instead of multiple choice, writing and I believe some one other part during it's the like normal. like analysis. Yeah. Right? But that's part of writing or? I don't, I'm not really sure. I, it's been a long time. But instead of that, they changed it to one a DBQ, a document-based question, where you read five documents and analyze them and answer a question uh, that's on about the analysis of the documents in two paragraphs. So that's huh. and that's nine months, actually almost a year, because we took a test freshman year to get into AP World History, or not a test, but it was to see if you really yeah. wanted to do it. So a whole year of work for 45 minutes for one question that could be about any unit. Yeah. One through six. We had no idea. Mine was unit two. So how do you know if they're shifting the way they're grading? Have you heard back? Do you know? So what we know is they are once everyone in the world has taken the test, they see how is everyone done according to the rubric, and once they do that, then they're going to grade them. Gotcha. So, so if one guy does really good, that's a five, and then I'm over here with a decent one, and that could be a one. But I, I doubt that's how it's going to work because so those kids didn't finish. They wouldn't exactly grade it on a curve, though. They're kind of looking at the number of people and kind of where the mean lands and, yeah. and then figuring out from there what how challenging the question was mm-hmm. since they haven't done it before. Correct. And I think there was a, about a dozen questions. So mine was different from – but there, I'm sure there was someone else with my question. So to, this, this is an open question to both Dave and to my mom, Pam. And this is – 
because they're both interacting with Dave's mom, my sister, Jesse. This sounds really weird right now. It's like a, a family tree discussion <laughs> of, instead of the route. But here's the reason. Um, Jesse teaches, and so she had to transition to teaching kids. But these kids are fifth graders. They're much mm-hmm. younger. So my mom taught, what did you teach? You taught everything. Well, I was third grade teacher, and I taught. Yeah, but you taught all the way up to fifth. I taught second through eight that one time. Yeah. At one time through the 30 years. Yeah. So I guess the question for this is in having, David, you having watched your mom do it, and Mm -hmm. uh, mom, you having watched Jesse and talked her through it, what's the biggest challenge when you're trying to take something like a standardized test or even a standardized curriculum and convert it to a remote learning piece? It takes a lot of time because you need to spend time with the kids and the kids that aren't getting it need your help. So you have to set up a lot of separate small meetings, small Zoom meetings with the kids that aren't getting it. You need to make sure they have the resources to read and they just need help. And sometimes parents aren't always able to help so uh, you become the one they come back to. So besides Zoom meetings with the kids in small groups, you also have tutor times that you're open you go on Zoom and anybody who needs help has to come, you know, comes in and ask questions and you walk them through it. But a lot of the kids aren't independent enough to really be able to understand that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a fifth grader going, oh yeah, I have a Tuesday at 1030 appointment that I've got to make. Because one of the reasons they don't have blocks in like second, third, fourth, fifth grade is the biggest block is before lunch and after lunch and maybe around recess. And then junior high, you start going hour here, hour right, here, hour exactly. here. Right, exactly. So how manageable is that? <laughs> Dave's the, shaking his head. He's going, no. It's, you- it's not because you ask the kids to come. You send emails to the parents. You send emails to the children. You give them the schedule. You tell them when we're going to be doing what. Tell them what pages they need to read on Hatchet and what things they need to do. What's in. Hatchet? Hatchet happened to be the book she was teaching. Gotcha. So whatever the reading requirement was have them read that so that they could have a discussion then answer questions and work on an essay and she still has five or six kids that just don't come to the meetings and don't do the work so and they're not there so you can't even yeah, work with them there's not even incidental learning. They, they don't even go online so you so this goes to something that you mentioned that. where david where you have a lot of classes where there's people missing how does attendance work for that I believe it was based on the work because most of my teachers assigned work on Mondays for the entire week and then however much of that you got done was your attendance. So same question for for Jesse by proxy. Actually they haven't decided they had not decided how they were going to do that the last time that um, they had their board their meeting their staff meeting on Zoom they were trying to figure out how to do that because if kids don't show up to the Zoom yeah and do the work well then they did the work and knew how to do it but if they don't show up to zoom and don't do the work so a lot of the funding for schools comes from attendance ada so how is that going to roll into schools funding over the course of the next six months year any the, is there any the, discussions there the, the state the, still... the state is still trying to figure out how to do that to make sure that schools are funded but also they're trying to figure out how to how to manage it how to count it so if we end up not having a vaccine before the next school year starts what what are the downstream ramifications for normals like it'd be so strange to go okay i'm in third grade but the second half of my third grade year i was at home and then i had summertime when kids forget a bunch of stuff anyway and then i came back and now i'm in fourth grade but i'm still at home how how do you kickstart that learning Actually, it's going to be really, it's going to be a real challenge for probably the whole world. But I think the biggest issue is that they're, they are really making plans to try and have what they, what did they call those cohort groups? And Jesse will teach a small group of children on, in her classroom and they won't intermingle with any other classrooms or any other kids. They'll stay in their cohort. So and would it be less than the 40 she normally has? Yes, in a way it will be less. However, they may she may have one group that comes Monday, Wednesday, 
one group that comes Tuesday, oh. Thursday. She may have 15 kids in the classroom and 10 distance learning because there will be parents that do, don't want to send their kids until there's a vaccine. So they've got four or five different plans at this point. And they've got, what, two months to figure it out? Two months. Well, there every school starts different, yeah, and it'll be they, kind of interesting because the first school that starts in July, they're looking at doing that type of thing where kids stay in a particular group for lunch, for recess, in their classroom, with their teacher, and then when they go into small groups in the front of the room, they would put masks on. So huh. it's it'll be interesting to see what happens because they are trying to work it out. So let's, let's go back to something that David was mentioning, and that's the social aspect. Like as much as you may get interaction in Zoom with other kids and your professor, but probably mostly with your professor, you don't have passing periods, you don't have sports, you don't have events, you don't have clubs, you don't have lunches, you don't have before school, you don't have after school, you don't have bus rides. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is that? You're a very social person, so what is that like? It's hard because even though kids have become so reliant, not really reliant, but used to technology and being able to contact each other, it's different. Coming home and texting your friends after school, just saying, okay, I'll see you tomorrow, is very different from saying, how has your past three months been without seeing anyone? And some kids yeah. have seen each other while some people aren't as strict and or some are. It's still terrible without that every day seeing that one person or group of people that maybe you've built your entire life around. Because there are some kids that have been together from kindergarten up yeah. until senior year. Yeah, so that, excuse me, so that's one of the things that I think is, is, is going to be crazy challenging for all these kids that are coming through right now for you and even for the teachers right now to kind of keep track and help put them back together once we go back. There's people I knew in high school that I wouldn't even go weekend days without seeing them. And there's people that I knew from kindergarten that I still know today and it's that everyday stuff. But I know that a lot of kids that are in military families and move a lot have a different set of engagement and social skills around that. So this huge gap in connection, connectivity, and shared experience, I have no idea what that's going to do. Do you have any thoughts on that, Dave? Or what? It's going to make us appreciate time at school more. There's fifth graders in my mom's class that say, I miss school. Kids that never wanted to be there. Yeah. And true, they may not, they don't miss school. They miss being with their friends every day. It's kind of like they want what they don't have. It's like if you took somebody from a, a, you know, they say that we're really good at having 75 to 150 people that we know really well. And that is a family group or a tribe or whatever. And so it's like everybody's just kind of been pulled out of that. And you're like, nope. And you're left with just your immediate family or the people that you're allowed to see. Yeah, these guys, this immediate family. <laughs> um, so it's really hard. For, yeah. Even the kids that aren't as social because they still have that group. Yeah. And they interact with people in a certain way. But a lot of that has been cut off. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we've got, we were really lucky in that. The, the people that are sitting at this table, myself and Kira and Pam and David, is that the... Lockdowns happened and everybody kind of went home and shut down. And then a month or so into it, we went, okay, let's let's meet in the middle. And so we went to Barstow and social distanced together in the desert. But we've kept track of all the other contacts we've had. We've gone, okay, I've gone to the grocery store. And um, I don't, have you guys gone to the doctor or anything? Yeah. No. I did. Oh, you did? I had, I had my sports physical last Tuesday. For Oh, for next year? Yeah. Because okay. even though if I do have a sports season, I want to have it done. Yeah. It's, it's completely different. They check your temperature as soon as you walk in, before you even get into the building. You, have, you wear a sticker that says your temp as you walk through. Then you check in and you wait. Huh. So, that, so that's interesting that they're doing it that way. Um, the benefit, though, of all of us being somewhat responsible. My mom's made everybody masks. She made her own mask. She made masks for the kids. She made me one and Kira and... Um, my dad has like seven and she's tried different designs. So she's been in that, that group cause she's very crafty, but between the conscientious conscientiousness around masks and then just keeping track and going, okay, I'm, I'm going to the grocery store and I'm buying a bunch of food and then sitting at home. And that little bit of discipline feels like it allows us to go, Hey, I'm going to drive down and see you guys. Hey, we're going to drive up and see you. And all of a sudden it breaks this 
isolated feeling because we have contact with six other people, which is great. I, I, it'd be a lot diff- more difficult to just sit at home. Um, so in that, you said you've been golfing again, Mom. How does that work for quarantine? Actually, we golf with our friends, but you wear masks when you're checking in. You wear masks when you go into the bathroom. They stand. They clean the bathroom before between every person. They clean the carts after every person, and then your dad puts bleach on the carts. And then the holes, you can't actually hit the ball into the hole because the cup is upside down so that nobody touches the flag. Gotcha. And you don't have to rake the sand because there's no rakes. So they don't really want you to be raking the sand, but the actual game, you're away from everybody yeah. anyway, and you're outside. So it's been really nice because now our lives are golfing and doing what we normally do. So for us, it's not as drastic a change as it is for the kids. Yeah, and they're they're over almost every day. Yeah. So, you know, they... They the have kids are not your friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be clear. I'll try and remember to, to sharpen those up when I bring them out. Um, so when do you find out what's next? Like right now, we're sitting here and it's it's uh, um, middle of June. They're, we're looking at the, the rise in numbers from Memorial Day. We're looking at a possible second pulse. We don't have a vaccine yet. What What do they say to you as a student, David, about what's next? Well, we luckily got a message yesterday from our football coach that we were going to be starting summer workouts next week, the following Tuesday. Uh, But it would be in those small little groups like at school. So a group of kids would be working out from 7 to 8, 8 to 9, 9 to 10, 10 to 11. And over the weekend, he would be telling us which group you'll be in and what, and maybe or not, it'll change throughout the week to get every kid a chance at early morning, midday, stuff like that. But as far as school, they August 13th, they gave us the date that that's when we're going back. But I don't know if it's final because I don't think it can be. Yeah. Because if change. the restrictions are still in place, then school can't function. They We can't have more than 20 people in one place. Is that right? Then I'm, I'm not sure. So um, added for you guys, uh, David is going to school in California, in San Diego. And so that colors his restrictions. Uh, Kira and I are in Vegas, so that colors our restrictions. The breakdown of consistent standards from state to state is challenging for all multi-state businesses as well as um, the different standards for school districts. It means that different districts are going to have different outcomes in, in performance, and so it's, it's all over the place right now. But that's calling that out because David's talking about San Diego County schools specifically that he attends go ahead yeah and even our school is a charter school so technically we could function on our own instead of going with the Grossmont Union High School District which is who's around us and we were a part of for a short time but our our principal has decided to follow the county uh, health organ the, or the guidelines that they've put in place instead of following the other high school districts so we're going to be going off of so that. the county has different guidelines than the district does Oh, no, I, I believe that the district is also following them. Gotcha. But if the district were to say, we're going back in September, we would still most likely go back in August if the county said okay. Gotcha. So you've got it. I see where the split is from district to county. Okay. Correct. Okay. But we have no, there's that date set, but I don't think that it is definite due to all of the changes that could happen between now and August 13th. Hmm. Um. To track back to the, the discussion around friendships and kind of how they form, and do you feel like any of them are pulling apart a little bit, or are you pretty active in communicating with your friends on different avenues, different media? I, I do my best. It's it's not easy because there's certain people that don't aren't on their phone as much, or and there's people that are their parents are more strict and they can't go out at all. They have to stay home. They can't interact with anybody about family, and it's I believe that this quarantine has truly just. Uh, tested relationships whether they be uh, romantic or not it's are you friends with this person can you spend three months away from them with almost no contact except for over the phone and if yes perfect if no that's too bad yeah so let's 
something that happens with almost every generation or block of time and people is that there's something that comes along that gives kids extra access to each other that's a little less supervised. And that's stuff like the car, the telephone, um, and then the internet for sure, cell phones for sure. So every one of these things that comes in, it gives a new avenue of kind of unsupervised connection. And I think one of the things that's really interesting about kids that are growing up today is how they become less dependent on cars and less dependent on phone calls. And there's so much texting, there's so much WhatsApp, Mm -hmm. there's so much um, instant message platform things that they engage in that when you go, oh, well, I for a while there it was, well, I see them at school and then we talk for four hours at night messaging back and forth. So I actually think that are the happening now when we have those tools might be one of the things that allows a more normal kind of at least background connection. Mm-hmm. Where I know that in if this had happened when I was in high school, I had a pager and I had a landline and emails cost 10 cents a piece. So... If I wanted to talk to my friends, I had to call them on the landline, the house phone. And I, I don't think that I would have been able to stay as in touch with my friends for this long of a time the way that David is able to. Yeah, and to what you said, kids are afraid of driving at this point in time. And I don't know if it's... What do you mean if, so afraid? They don't want to. Why? They don't want to go somewhere or they just don't, they don't, they don't want, want to, to be drive. on the wheel. And I think that that's maybe to the how many crashes there are, but it's also to, they're independent, but they're not that independent. They don't want to drive. They are okay with their parents carting them around because they have their phone to tell their friends, I'm on my way, my mom's driving me, I'll be there in five, which is really weird. Do you think that might be kind of like society saying like, oh, you know, texting and driving is bad, and that just mm-hmm. is a fear that gets developed oh, yeah. by it. That's interesting. We we yeah. are always told, don't text and drive. Don't drinking and driving isn't as much of a thing. I don't think it's it's not as big of a deal, but it's still a big deal. But now texting and driving has really taken over, and we also have the you to drive on campus. You need a special uh, placard and that you hang on your rearview mirror that says, "I am certified to drive on campus." And you have to go through, it's called, it, I forgot the name, but you have to listen to a sheriff for an hour or two to then get a certificate that says your name to then get that placard to hang in your car. So you see the downside of driving and you see what you don't do. And I think certain kids aren't mentally so is prepared. This, is the sheriff thing, is he doing a, is, is it like bloody asphalt except for texting? A little because yeah. when I was in when I did driver's ed, they had this video they mm-hmm. showed of the really bad car crash. They're like, "Oh, look, they're picking this person's brains up with a spatula." And you're like, "Oh, that's gross." <laughs> it's similar to that. It's to show you. It's just one hand with a cell phone, and then yeah. there's nothing left of the person. And they do the more emotional stories to where that's the people affected by them actually speaking on a recorded or in a video, to then really hit home. But I think kids aren't mentally prepared, and they get scared. There, I don't want to drive. I don't want to do this because this can happen. This is going to happen to me. It's not this can. It's going to happen. That's what they think. Do you? Why do you think that that going to happen perception is there? And let, here, let me back up and color this real quick, and then that's the question I'm going to have you answer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mom, Pam, will you tell us about when you got your license? How old you were? What you had to go through? And what that was like? Uh, Everything was at school, so you took driver's ed and driver's training all in school. And most kids got their license at 16, and then you could drive. There was no question, there was no, whereas it's very different now, because they can't drive with anybody. So fleshing that out, so this is interesting because my mom and I actually went to the same high school, not at the same time, but we went to the same high school. And, <laughs> it was like back to the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't have to, yeah. No, that was all. <laughs> but my, my, so she grew up in San Diego and I grew up in San Diego. My dad grew up in um, Iowa and it was pretty common for there to be like, a, you'd drive tractors at 12 and 14. And so yes. there was just giant machinery that's bailing hay and yes. tearing things apart. And then everybody at 16, you get your license and you drive. When I when I turned 16, I'd had my permit for quite some time. Um, we had the rules about when you could take the test, but then 
shortly after my 16th birthday, I was not only driving, but driving with my friends Ooh. to the beach, just gone. And yeah, so, that, that was the same way it was when we first yeah. started driving. So now, David, will you talk about the process to get your license and the ages you could get that them at and the stuff that happens now? So first off, you have to do an online driving course that's different. It differs from you have to do this many uh, lessons or some are 30 hours on this certain website. Then you're sent a piece of paper that you not not just to get your license, but to get your permit. Then you take that piece of paper, take a permit test, 40 questions online at the DMV, get your permit, and six months from that date is the only day that you could, or is the first date that you could get your license. So it doesn't matter if you're already 16, if you haven't had your permit for six months, you can't get your uh, your license. Although this most of this goes out the window once you turn 18. So. But so once you get your permit, so an eighteen-year-old so could do what I did at sixteen, which is walk in, take the written test, driving test, and you pass. I believe an eighteen-year-old still has to have the permit, but it's not for long. But then after they take the uh, the actual driving test, the rules that I'm about to talk about are out the window. They don't have to do them. Okay. So once so you, let's go with your rules. I have my permit. Yeah. And my you have to ideally do it at fifteen and a half, so that by sixteen you can take the test. Okay. So you have your permit. You have to do six hours behind the wheel with a certified driving instructor. There are multiple companies wherever you are. Then once he, they do you know say, what that costs? No, I'm I'm not sure. Okay, because one of the things my mom mentioned that happened for me as well is that you signed up for driver's ed and it was after school. In during a, school. In a well, for you it was during school. In during school, it was part of the curriculum. You took driver's ed and uh, first aid, and then part of it was simulators, and then part of it was behind the wheel, all in school, all part of your your high school experience see we did it after class and then my dad taught it for a while you know for the 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 extra income but it was through instructor. the school it was all through the school ours is not even affiliated with the school when did wait Kira? when did you get yours so new york does things a little differently yeah that's um, fair. so you have to um you have to pass a written test when you're 16 to get your permit so there's no this you don't get your permit until you're 16 until you're 16 so yeah. Once you turn 16, then you can go take the test to go get your permit. Um, I don't know. Oh, it so you can only get your license at 17. Oh. So there's no six months or anything. Like once you turn 17, you can um, take the actual driving test. There's no written exam. You actually go drive with a instructor. Uh, but our driver's ed was And they make outside. you parallel park. Yes, parallel parking is part of our test. Um, but our, our driver's ed was something that you had to seek yourself and you had to go out of your way to do it. And so um, I was a late bloomer. <laughs> um, I was one of the younger ones in my class. So because I had a late birthday. Um, so like all my friends were able to get their permit and do their uh, driver's ed and stuff. And I had to kind of hang back and wait till my birthday in order to do it. And so I not only had to go out of my way to find a driver's ed class, which was, I don't know, 25 minutes away from where I lived. Um, but I didn't get to do it with any of my friends which I don't know how that what were the, is for you. What were the restrictions while you had your permit? Oh, you couldn't drive by yourself. Mm. So it yeah, was... Yeah, you couldn't no. have friends either. It had to be like No, it had to be... Uh, yeah, someone over 25 and like no one else. Okay, it, it, that's yeah. the same for your permit, right, It Dave? needs to be someone over 25 with a valid ID or valid driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> and, I have a school ID. <laughs> well, now it's the same thing. It's not social... You didn't do it with your friends. It, you, everyone's kind of independent. But once you have your permit, it's those six hours behind the wheel, normally in two-hour uh, stints. I have two hours done, and then the quarantine happens, so I have four hours left. I can't even get my driver's license, and I'm 16. I was supposed to get it 24th of this month because I got my permit on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so, But the, oh. the positive is I think next week I do have behind the wheel. It's just with a mask on because they opened in what? Gotcha. We're calling phase three in California. Gotcha. So, so talk about the restrictions during. So during the permit time, you've got to get those six hours done. Correct. When else can you drive with just a permit? You can drive, like I said, any pretty much any time you want, unless uh, between the hours of eleven uh, p.m. and five a.m. You can't drive. 
Okay. So pretty much when it's dark, you can't drive. But if it's daytime, it, not those hours, with a person over 25 with a valid driver's license. And then once you get your license. Mm-hmm. you Once I get my license, you think the coast is clear, but you have to do a year. You can't drive anyone except for a sibling with a written note from your parents on where you're going. So you're alone in a car, in the car alone. Correct. And then after that 16, or after that year, once you have your license, I believe it's pretty open. I just remember something at 17 where it's you're free, everything's gone. But I think okay. it's from in between that first year after you have your license and the next year, you can only drive a few people at a time. So you can't go on a date. No. Until you're 17. Oh. Unless you both meet somewhere. Tech- Antonio yeah. and Kaylee, when his brother... Yeah, and her, his girlfriend, they would drive and meet at our house to go have dinner with us, and then they would drive and go down to the beach. But they each drove separately. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. Because when I was growing up, my parents had the rule. So my my mom and dad said, "We're not gonna, you can't go on a date till you can drive yourself. We don't want to be there for that." <laughs> so that was that was the at sixteen, I was allowed to go on dates. I'd gone to dances and group stuff before that, but sixteen, I'm like, cool, I can go pick up a girl and go on a date. But that, no. It's not a thing. Gosh. I mean, we want to. And kids certainly, after they give their license, they give friends rides home from school. It's a very common thing, but it's technically not allowed. What, and what that, the, to get the certificate to drive on campus, the, what the CHP officer said was that with more people in a car, they did the study that if a new driver that just had their license had one person in the car, the chances of them getting in a crash rose by 30%. Two people, and it's up another 50%. So it's the distracted driving. Correct. Having I, somebody in is, is like being drunk. Yeah, and I, I don't think, I think that might have played a part into the scared of driving piece. Yeah. But it's, the numbers are freaky. Yeah. So it, it's, so I'm trying to wrap my head around the difference in the perception of it, because when I was, when I was growing up and when I was coming towards that age, I just saw driving as just this huge freedom. This this spot where you could just be like, okay, cool. Now I'm I can go and do things. I don't have to worry about my parents' schedules or mm-hmm. when they're able to take me or if it's related to school or if there's a bus or any of that stuff. How did you perceive driving when you were younger? Like coming up to that, I saw it like that. Okay. I saw it as freedom, and I thought I'm going to do anything I want. And it's still kind of that way because I can drive myself. It's just not the same amount of freedom. Once Antonio did his driving stuff and I saw the rules, I went, this sucks. This is, <laughs> this is really dumb. But I understand now that I've gone through it myself it, yeah. some two, three years later. It's still freedom because, like I said, I can go anywhere I want. But I can't, I can't take people. I can't go. And if someone else is 16 and just got their license, I can't go with them. But it's still seen as freedom from, because I wrestling practices are, they're four thirty to six thirty, so I'm at school until six thirty seven o'clock during wrestling season, and my dad has to wait, and that sucks. I yeah. feel bad. I, so the positive will be I can he can go home, and I can drive myself home yeah. during those times. So. Er- this is something that's nice for I think everybody at this table in the quarantine period is that the that everybody at this table has some degree of like individual hobby, something that they just kind of pour themselves into and kind of it's a thing that distracts from the normal engagement of the world anyway. And so Dave, do you want to talk about what you do and yeah, how I, you and how you kind of isolate isolate? Well, first off, I think that if you don't have have a hobby right now, you should find one. Or if you do, that's great. And if you can't find one, try harder. Because <laughs> I, I know certain people that don't have anything to do at home, and they're going crazy. They've done their normal, go read a book, be on your phone, and they're bored. Yeah. Because that only takes you so far. And you need that, those other things, those other hobbies to break up the monotony of staying at home alone. Or sometimes, some kids at home alone because their parents are at work all day, every yeah. day. Except for some kids, mon- uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. But I'm I'm lucky enough to have a small shed where I can do woodworking whenever I want after I'm pretty much done with my schoolwork. And now whenever I want because it's summer. 
So that makes me able to create things with my hands and with machines that three hours ago didn't exist and it was just a block of wood. And I think that's really, really cool to see the transformation. And even if it's something big that takes a few days and even a few weeks, you can say, I made this and now I get to look at it forever, hopefully, if it doesn't get stolen. <laughs> if people want to follow you and see the stuff you're making with wood, where would they go? I do. I have an Instagram page. It's uh, David's underscore Woodshop. It's a, a public account, so you can go follow me there. I haven't done anything in a little while. I recently made 11 pens in the span of a week for my dad's seniors, and that was terrible. <laughs> so I've taken a break for right now. But I'll, I'll get back into it once I get back into town making That's... things. I have a few things up on the on my to-do list that's instagram right so that's yeah correct d-a-v-i-d-s underscore woodshop woodshop w-o-d-s-h-o-p correct cool completely public go follow do anything you want well don't do anything you want that's weird (laughs) just the things you can do on instagram i guess go follow me like follow subscribe (laughs) that's that's what they always yell at okay um oh and i will make things for you if you want i've done that before if people wanted uh custom pens plug alert yeah you said i could (laughs) i said you could so i'm giving you great (laughs) you can uh dm me and then i'll try my best to create what you had in your head cool mom do you want to talk about what you do during quarantine because this is funny because it's not that different from what you did just being retired except for the gym i spend a lot of time in my studio i sew I make a lot of uh, backpacks and doll carriers and dress dolls for the hospital and make superhero capes. And then I do a lot of... Um, so wait, she flew by that really quick, so I'm going to take you back to it for a second. Um, let's, let's do this in two parts. One, Mom, how many sewing machines do you have? One. Well, each sewing machine has a different... No, purpose. I know it does, but what, how many are there? Well, there's four that are out. Okay, so there's four out. How many are put away? Two, three, four others. And then how many antiques are just sitting around? Two. Two. Okay, so that's a total of... Ten. Ten. You have ten sewing machines. Yes, because I okay. don't throw anything away. No, that's fine. I'm just saying... And, and point of order here is that, that she does have antique and hand-me-down sewing machines, and those ones don't as much count towards the total but she is right she has four out and active sewing machines that have different specific and purposeful functions um so let's go to the second part of that who do you make baby dolls and superhero capes for i i have a friend who um is a nurse and works uh, with pediatric uh, oncology which is a cancer children's cancer center and i make uh, backpacks with dolls and dress them in little nightgowns and blankets and then I also make superhero capes and I send them to her and she gives them to the children especially when they're going through a really tough situation of course COVID's made I mean I can't send them right now because they're keeping the children protective from anything outside yeah so they can't have the outside stuff in but it's it's it started off just that she, that my mom made so many baby doll backpacks and little sets of clothes and stuff. And they were just kind of going to friends that had kids. And she'd be like, Does, do you have a kid? Do you have a kid? Do you know anybody that has a kid? Because I, I really want to make more of these and I enjoy it. So it's just this fountain of... Well, a lot of my friends who are grandparents, I've sold a lot to them and then I can make more for the kids at the hospital. Yeah, so it kind of cycles through. Yes. But, but you donate the ones to the hospital. Yes. Yeah. And yes. it's it's um it's it's in it's a hospital in San Francisco and they the pediatric oncology ward there, they let the kids pick from stuff when they've gone through a treatment or have had some like it's I would never want to be a kid with cancer. That would be, I don't even know how you do that. Because kids have this thing where everything is either the greatest thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. But that means stubbing your toe or having ice cream. It doesn't mean chemotherapy. And so when it does, that's dark. So my mom, for a long time, through these donations, shines a light to help those kids feel better. So I still make those and they're they're grouping up in my 
craft room and then when we get to open again i've got a lot to send (laughs) you're gonna have an avalanche just a flood right right um but so besides the sewing and the the massive collection of sewing machines that obviously need maintenance and upkeep um what what else do you do in your studio i do a lot of painting i do craft painting decorative painting and i belong to san diego brushwhackers which is a uh, painting group and then I'm on the board so I've been making things for some of our different activities yes. so I stay real busy with that and I do some wood cutting but not very much of that anymore mostly just painting so let's stay on the painting and the the, the brush whackers for a second because this is something that I think is phenomenal there's been this shift once we realized that we we're kind of going to be in COVID for a while when we didn't go oh it's it's three weeks and we've got a vaccine let's all get shots unless we don't believe in it and then go back out right so that continued isolation how do you well i'll let you tell so how do you guys meet and how do you do stuff as brush whackers we have zoom meetings and we also do facetime painting groups and we do um painting groups on we have a couple of really talented teachers that have join me groups where they'll be painting for 12 hours and you can go in and join. 12, 12 hours? Yeah, well, they there's three teachers okay. online. So it's not one person marathon no, painting. No, it's okay. three really phenomenal <laughs> teachers that are, um, you know, they paint and that's what they do for a living and they write books, which is, you're painting by number basically because you're tracing a pattern and then you're following their directions. And so they've gotten together and they do these um, web you go to their YouTube sites and they show you step-by-step how to do stuff and a whole bunch of people from all over the country join them at different times so we get together and do that so the around the country thing is something that I think I want to stop on just for a second because you had a meeting with them while you're up here in Las Vegas mm-hmm. would you have stayed home and not come up if you had had that meeting scheduled in person I don't know if I would have missed coming to see you. Well, so I, I think back to times when it's been more normal, and I know that you've had times during the day where I've been down in San Diego, and you go, oh, well, I have a meeting, so I'm going right. to be gone for like two hours. And you'd go and you'd sit in person at the meeting. Right. But having it be remote, everybody can still attend. It doesn't matter where they are. Right, exactly. That's why I could come up here and and do it without thinking about it. Yeah. So... My aunt is part of Brush Rackers as well, and she's moved to uh, Idaho, and she's in. Yes. She's there, and I'm, I'm not going to sell my mom or my aunt down the river here much, but I will say that they're of the generation that kind of knows how to use the computer for certain things, and then past that, it's a different kind of situation. <laughs> we'll kind of leave it there. Um, so they're very pattern oriented how they use the computer too so for all of them to get together and go oh I've installed zoom and I'm gonna to go to a meeting and I'm gonna do it online and it's that's that's a heck of a motivation <laughs> um, how does how does that group which your group is not super tech savvy no how well does that group interact and act in that format oh we've got rules we we, <laughs> we set up rules right at the beginning so that you leave your microphone off unless it's your turn to talk or you have a comment and then we put our thumb up if we need to talk and there's one person that's running the meeting and then they will say okay i see carol's got her her thumb up and she'll turn the microphone off and say whatever she needs to say so we've we've figured it out by doing rules because otherwise we talk over each other and is that what happened at the beginning yeah we would talk over each other and then you couldn't hear anybody yeah so it's really taught us to be more polite and i hope that will happen when we're back to like live meetings we won't talk over each other as much as we used to um a vast majority of them are in san diego it's the san diego county brushwhackers exactly what percentage would you say is now involved in those meetings that previously would not have been from that are out of oh san diego well let's see just penny or no because lois is out of town and sandy's out of town and evie's out of town there's about five or six that come and join us off and on that aren't in San Diego. And I think that's one of the things that's going to come out positive from this yes. is that we've learned how to reconnect in larger groups when we move, right? Where it'd be a lot harder to do that on the regular from Idaho. 
for Penny. So, um, is there anything like that 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 you're engaged in right now, Dave? Yeah. Well, the the way that you run the meetings is pretty similar, although we're not normally normally the teachers would move what they call office hours to once they're done with the lesson. So they would do an hour lesson, and then afterward, if kids had really in-depth questions, they would stick around for another 15 minutes and ask those with their mic on, with their camera on to interact. But if not, they would do a little question in the chat box, and the question would be answered with the rest of them in like five minutes. But I did have a friend who was already planning on moving to Virginia because his dad was stationed there in mid-March. So they were already planning on moving there. I'm not sure how they were going to continue school, but I think that this... He would have had to switch school, right? I don't know. So this we, might have let him stay in school that's what I was or stay say. in the same school. I, I know that our school already had an online program <clears throat> set up, but you had to come in every, like I think, once a week to yeah. turn in your work. But this, this let him be at school until the re- end of the year. That's great. And if this goes on, who knows? Yeah, he could do. He could graduate from a San Diego school, from Virginia. Well, that so that's kind of weird too, because schools are paid for with property taxes. And Correct. Are deeply regional and deeply state run. Mm-hmm. Well, we have kids that come from Mexico every day over the border, and now they're doing school from Mexico. Oh, cool! Because that's how close we are. We have a bus that, not I mean, not just them. It's other kids too, but it's a lot of kids from Mexico come over the border. They're sent here for a better school, and they either go back every day. Or huh. they have a family member that they stay with on weekdays and go back home on weekends. On weekends. So this has really allowed kids to be, I think, in a more comfortable setting. And for like my friend in Virginia, he was able to continue school, finish his sophomore year, and have the possibility. I mean, I'm not sure how likely it is. He might have already enrolled at the other school, but he is able to continue school at, at Steel Canyon instead yeah. of maybe having to transfer for that last those last few months huh that's it, fascinating if home is comfortable though correct yeah it, that's something that because there's that really other problem hard. yeah there's kids that don't have that functioning home uh system and i have a few like that they live with grandparents or they live with aunt and uncles i have one friend whose mother passed away dad was never in the picture lives with his grandparents so home is not good for him he yeah. comes to school early in the morning because that's when he can. He rides his bike to school. He interacts with friends, which he loves doing. Um, and then he either goes to the skate park on his bike or he takes the long way home because school is not fun or home is not fun. Yeah. Which I think that is the hardest thing to do and to deal with for certain kids right now. And not just kids. There are those the relationships that don't function correctly. Dysfunctional right. relationships, whether they are between... Uh, romantic partners or even if your home with your parents isn't good yeah and I and there's no nothing you can do yeah that if you weren't in quarantine you would be able to talk to a teacher talk to a coach maybe even call the police if it's desperate and you could go somewhere but right now I think that all those resources are gone but it, they're not completely gone if it was an emergency I'm sure you there was a place to go why well, just think about the the normal path that you hear of these stories is a kid finally tells a teacher or tells yeah. an adult or an adult sees something or a bruise or a black eye or a broken arm and goes what happened exactly but and now they're not out yeah. of the house especially when the cameras are off on google hangout and zoom calls yeah unless the kid sticks around and has a confidence to stay after and say i need help the yeah. kid's not going to get help and then nothing's going to get better and they could even get worse yeah. And there's no interaction even with those coaches because track season was over. It ended. Yeah. You might have the phone number, but So what are you all the do? secondary support system that comes in because school exists mm-hmm. isn't isn't as prevalent. It's not right there. It's not. It's like it's at an arm's distance. Yeah. It's huh. as if you were never in school and you had never created those connections. They're still there. But it feels like, even for me, and I, I'm blessed to not have those problems, but I was close with a few of my teachers, and being able to talk to them was fun. At this point, I feel like it's either I have a question for them, or if I want to talk to them, even though they need that social interaction too, it seems like they have a lot to do, and they have a lot on their plate, because teaching right now is not easy. Yeah. So I feel like I would be a burden, 
because I'm sure they have that scheduled time to relax throughout their day. It's just not right there. Yeah. They have other work to get to. And that's a really hard thing to deal with. So the last thing I want to touch on and kind of get everybody's opinion is, do you think, and this is off of a meme I saw, a meme, it was like the back of somebody's uh, mom van car and the window, window said, you said my kid was an angel. Two weeks into COVID, I can tell you they are not. <laughs> um, but do you think that this might help change some people's perception of teachers, particularly the ones that are like, well, teachers, they get all summer off and they don't work that hard and we let's defund them and draw back. And the budgets for schools are abysmal. They grow so slowly. They, it's really hard to get the money over for them. Do you guys think that this is going to change that? And I'm going to start with Kier. So, yes, um, I think there is a huge disrespect for teachers, and it's one of the reasons why I went through college and never became one at the end of graduating with a teaching degree. Um, so, yeah, and I, I really do hope that it changes the, the perspective that people have for teachers, because I think it's, I don't know, it's just unfortunate that people have this kind of negative outlook on what teachers do so we bounced through this a little bit and what david was saying but i think that there's this this huge cultural narrative about firefighters about doctors about police about the civil servants or the certain professions that are yes they're saving lives but there's so much to be said for what that life is made out of i think that goes to what you're saying so dave same thing how do you think this will affect the public perception of teachers for those that have a, a derogatory perception. I, I really hope it changes their perspective to a positive one because it's, it's not easy. I grew up, like you said, with so many people in my life being teachers or being in the education system that I've learned that teaching is very difficult and it's very time consuming. And although you get the summers off, a lot of it is still planning for that next year. It's what do I have to do from the previous year to fix? And I hope that people's perceptions change seeing how terrible their children are. <laughs> I see it not from the teacher perspective, but from the student perspective. Because there yeah. are those kids that are nice to me, or they're nice to teachers, and then they're mean to everyone else. Yeah. And those kids are finally having to sit at home all day dealing with their parents instead of being at school. And those parents are finally dealing with their, their quote-unquote angel children that are so nice at home. And now they're seeing what they actually are like. Yeah. And hopefully that shows them to appreciate teachers and to appreciate how much time and effort they put into their children. Because not all kids are easy to deal with. Like you said, and that my mom was struggling with kids that aren't coming. And then there are those certain parents that are going to blame the teacher. My kid failed because of you. Right. My kid got an F. Why isn't his grade better? Because now, your kid didn't do their work. <laughs> and now do you think that the parent's perception is going to shift because they're seeing the kid not do the work? I'm hoping so. Yeah. I'm hoping that certain parents aren't doing the work for their kids. Yeah. Because that even happens during normal school. So hopefully they can gain a better appreciation for teachers and for people in the education system because now they've seen what they go through on a daily basis for nine months out of the year yeah okay i it's all solid and i don't disagree with anything you've said um and let's wrap it up mom what do you think this is going to have on the effect of perception of teachers um i think there's going to be some parents that are very aware that they can't teach their own children and they need the teachers and how much the teachers work but i think there's also going to be those that go back to you know, teach my child, especially the children who haven't really put in the work or the time and they're going to start next year behind. And if it's still in, we're still in semi-quarantine, you know, no vaccine, we're not going to be out of it till there's a vaccine. So for at least yeah. another year or at least a semester, the kids are going to have to do some distance learning. And yeah. if the parents don't take part in it, they're going to blame the system. Some parents are going to show appreciation or learn appreciation. And some won't, like anything. So to the first thing that you were saying, it's very much like when you watch somebody who's good at something do something on TV and then you go in your backyard and try it and break your arm. <laughs> like that's kind of what some parents are running into right now. They're going, oh, 
you go to school and learn algebra and come home, they're always teaching algebra and that doesn't change how hard can it be. And then they sit down with the kid and go, I don't know how to explain this concept. I don't know how to get this so that their brain forms in a way right. that computes these. Right. Yeah, that's, that's teaching starting from where the child's at. And I think that's the hardest thing for both teachers and for parents because a lot of parents believe their children are at a different place than they are. Yeah. They're not real realistic. And then when they realize they, I think those will have more of an appreciation of teachers and the work they do. I think this is an opportunity where we're going to move the middle. I think I there's so. still going to be a lot of people hanging out at the bottom going, no, everything that's wrong is, is not my kid and everything that's wrong is not my fault and it's got to be something else. And those, those people are always going to be there, yeah. but I do think that we're going to have an effect on the middle. All right, everybody. Well, we appreciate you taking your time to listen to me prattle on about really nothing in particular and my guests prattle on about things that are super, super important to everybody all the time. Uh, we will catch you next time. Everybody want to say thank you and goodbye. 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 Bye. <laughs> Better meat type chickens.